0: And it's Titus chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 8. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive, divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. As soon as I send Artemis or Tichius to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, because I decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenas, the lawyer and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all.
1: So I've just been uh, thinking really about that, that question, um, you know, again, why on earth would somebody want to go down into a pool of water and get dunked under the water and come back up again? We've explained it uh, a little bit, but it's, um, it's quite a big theme within the Bible. I hope you've seen the answer through what Josh has both shared and sung to you this morning. But if not, then this passage also helps us a little bit with it. It's a man called Paul who's writing to a friend, Titus, as we saw what they look like on the screen earlier. Thank you, Ross. It was about 2,000 years ago, recorded for us in the Bible. And as you can see from what Abby's just read, it's a personal letter. Personal letter. He's at the end of the letter. So he's saying, you know, say hello to so-and-so. Greet everybody. Help this couple with this particular thing. Come and meet me in the winter. That's what we do, isn't it? When we write to somebody... We we tell them what's important, we tell them the news, and then, you know, know, don't forget to say hello to so-and-so. It's a personal letter. Paul is writing to a friend. It's a bit different to much of our communication today, isn't it? There's no emojis. I don't know what your favorite one is. Up there. It's very hard nowadays to write a text message or a WhatsApp message without putting an emoji in somewhere, isn't it? And actually, they're really helpful, aren't they? Because you know if somebody's joking or not, if someone's already having a go at you or not. having a bit of a dig. I think the emojis are quite helpful. It'd be interesting. I did think about going through this passage and putting emojis in at certain places to see if I'd got it right. What was Paul actually thinking? What did he mean? Because they help us to express emotions. I mean, they're great things, really, I think. Very quickly, we can see different ones. So... It's a bit different to that. There are no emojis. We have to try and figure out what what Paul meant and what he was thinking. There's no social media update or status. Paul's not flicking off as soon as he gets into a new country. just arrived in Crete. Well done, Phil, by the way. I had no idea that was Crete, and I've been there. I thought Crete was rounder. Anyway, there's nothing like that, and yet it is still personal. It's not like a a WhatsApp message. It's not like an Instagram post, because they, they struggle often with real depth, don't they? They're quick things, quick communication. Here and there, you know, what time are you there or what's this? Or have you seen that? Or what about this? They're they're sort of light-hearted things often, aren't they? Or, Or Snapchat. I mean, Snapchat literally is here one day and gone the next. I don't know if you're on it, but it lasts for 24 hours. Somebody said to me a couple of weeks ago, you know, I had that on Snapchat, but it's gone now. That's the nature of what it is. So it's not like those things. It's a letter of weight. It's not just about the immediate. It's not just what you need to know right now, today, and then you can forget about. It's actually more important than that. It's about character. Paul's talked a lot about character in the letter. It's about how things are organized. We thought about the elders in the church, leadership, and what sort of things need to be be done. And yet, I do think it has something in common with social media today. Because social media today is about how you present yourself to the world often, isn't it? You think about it. I don't know if you see the Jumanji films, I don't know if you've found the Jumanji films. Um, the, 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 the second one, which is the first new one, bear with me, the first one came out in the 80s, the other one came out about seven or eight years ago. The second one, I think it's called Welcome to the Jungle. And at the beginning, there's this girl, and she's, she's got a pole thing. What's it called? I'm rubbish, i yeah. Selfie stick, thank you very much. She's got a selfie, she's slayed there and she's got a selfie stick and she's looking at the image and she turns the coffee cup round and she, she moves the book and she just does her you know, and, and hair then, and then she puts, oh, just woke up and click. She's presenting herself to the world. She wants to look like she's just woke up but actually she spent a good three or four minutes planning what she looks like when she wakes up. How does she present herself to the world? And actually that's what Paul's dealing with here. Paul's thinking about how we present ourselves to the world, how those around us. Twice he says this be devoted to doing what is good. Be devoted to doing what is good. Now you may still communicate with letters and emails and things that are important, and you may understand that this, this letter has stood the test of time. It's something worth listening to. It's something that people have received encouragement from, teaching from for thousands of years we've looked at it as a church over the last few months it's been challenging and as I said earlier we finish it today just to explain as a church we do take a book of the bible or a theme and we think through it we try and bring out what it is that that it's saying because we really do believe that through that God speaks to us today God speaks to us by his spirit through his word when his word is opened up God is speaking he'll be doing it this morning into our lives and that's what excites me about standing up here in front of you all. God is communicating to us. I also said this passage helps us to understand why Josh would want to get baptised. Because it shows us that there is a category. I don't know if you saw this when it was read. But there's a category of people. It's those, it's the, the people are those who trust in God. In verse 8. Paul says to those who trust God in God I want you to stress these things to those who have trusted in God in other words not to everybody don't stress these things to everybody if people aren't trusted in God then what needs to be stressed to them is why they should that is the primary mission of the church to help people who don't trust in God to see why they should because he's there and because he loves us and because he's done things for us I guess at this point it would be helpful just to think a little bit more about that. Why, why do people trust in God? Why would Josh go through the waters of baptism? Why? Well, in chapter 2, Paul puts it like this. Just pull out two verses. The first one is this. It should come up on the screen behind us. I think Ross referred to it in his talk earlier. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The message, first of all, <laughs> is that God offers something to us. He offers something. It's salvation. And it's to everybody. He offers it to all people. It's not just a certain group of people in a certain time. It's to all people. And the church has to offer this salvation to all people. That is our job. That is our mission. That is why we exist. It's God's offer of salvation. Help people to understand why they need it. Because that offer is given in a person. It's a person who gave himself. It isn't an empty offer. It's not something that we just have to try and and work up enough faith to, to understand. It's not that. Our faith is in somebody who has done something. So verse 14 puts it very succinctly for us. Hopefully that will come up as well. Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. I'm sure you know the world's not right. If you don't believe me, just get your phone out and have a look at the latest news feeds. That's all you have to do. You see, straight away, the world is not right. We see it many times, every day, in many different areas. There is clearly a problem. The Bible calls this problem sin. In our normal, natural state, it says we are cut off from God because of the things that we do. We have no way of getting to it. No way of getting to it. We've done things that mean we cannot get near him. You know, he's described in Hebrews chapter 12 as a consuming fire. That's how he describes God a consuming fire. And fire consumes, doesn't it? And and God consumes, in a sense, all that is not right and pure and holy. So we can't get anywhere near him. Now, that is a massive problem because of our sin. Because of the things that we do wrong. You know, the problems of the world are really in here. Not just me. (laughs) All of us. The problem is inside of us. That problem of sin. And we see it magnified every day. We cannot get near to a holy, righteous, awesome God. But he knows that and he has provided a solution. In his grace, that's what it said in verse 11, in his grace he offers salvation. In other words, he knows the problem. He knows what is wrong with us and he does something to deal with our sin. Or as Paul puts it here, to remove the wickedness. Jesus, in his death on the cross, takes our place. Dies for us. He faces the just wrath of God and is treated as we should be and is consumed by that holy fire of God, the Father. Well, that's what it looks like. Actually, that's not what happens. Because we start to understand and see, and this is why it's so important that we understand that Jesus is fully God. He is bigger than us. He is better than us. And actually, it turns out that he's bigger than the problem. And it doesn't consume him. He consumes it. He overcomes it. And as we saw with Josh, he's raised to life again on that first Easter Sunday. Having dealt with the problem of sin. Our sin, he consumes it, and is raised back to life again. And then this is what Paul says next. I think that will come up as well. He purifies for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. He, having consumed the wickedness, purifies those who are wicked, who are sinful, but who turn to him and trust him. Paul's writing to those who are trusting God, who know that they're sinful people, that left to their own devices, they deserve to face that just wrath of God. But Jesus offers us safety. Those who are really trusting God know that they are safe in Jesus. So linked with him in his death and resurrection, as baptism shows that they have nothing to fear from this god we are not consumed our sin is our wickedness is you see god is able to separate us from the sin and purify us for himself so that we can know him so that we can get close to him without fear of being consumed We trust God because we trust that he's dealt with our biggest problem, the ugly wickedness and sin that is inside of us. He cleanses us. And that's another symbol here, isn't it? We go into this water. It's a cleansing. We're cleansed by water. He cleanses us. Symbolized we're purified and then eager to do what is good. Which brings us back to our passage. I've digressed Because I think there may be people here this morning who don't trust God. And it's only fair that you understand why we do. That's why we do. This passage that we're looking at today, Titus stresses to the people who are trusting God. To those who have understood the message of the gospel, the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. He stresses to them how they need to be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. And there's just two areas, quickly, two areas. The first one is be devoted, not distracted. And the second one is be devoted, not disconnected. So the first, be devoted, not distracted. Devoted is about our actions, isn't it? The things we do, how we live. Be careful in the church where, where words are important that they don't become more important than they should. He puts it like this, avoid foolish controversies and genialities and arguments and quarrels about the law. These aren't profitable, they're useless. Don't argue about such things. Get on doing good. Don't be distracted by the arguments. Now look, there are certain things that need to be defended. Of course, the Bible teaches truth and we need to stand on that truth and when it's attacked, we need to show why we think that it's wrong what other people are saying and why the Bible is right. We need to do that. Jesus effectively did that. Jesus was involved in controversy with the religious leaders of the day because he realized that they'd gone astray, they'd misunderstood. So he came to put them right. He engaged with them, but he was never involved with foolish controversies. Not controversy for the sake of it. Not arguing over the small little things that we don't really need to worry too much about. He explained truth and the way to God. He never got caught up in foolishness. And you know, if you know anything about the Gospels, anything, any story from the Gospels, if you can think of a story now about the Gospels, what does it tell you? It tells you this, Jesus was doing good. He was devoted to doing good. You think of the story after story after story, healing after healing after healing, teaching after teaching, persistence with a group of people that couldn't get him, didn't understand him, patience with those same people, Time after time, again, Jesus is devoted to doing good. And if we know him, then we need to be as well. Don't get distracted. Be careful that we're not distracted. And our trust in God works its way out into our daily lives. And then finally, devoted, not disconnected. The second time he says it in verse 14. They must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. You know, the Christian is always someone who's moving forward, always. We have to be, pursuing God and pursuing good in the world. If not, then we're in danger of becoming disconnected. If we just become comfortable and just happy with the way things are, then we start to get disconnected. We need to be proactive in the way that we serve, in the way that we help, in the way that we're doing things seeking to provide for the urgent needs as they arise and let's be honest we live in a world where it's very easy to get distracted isn't it i mean 200 years ago it wasn't that easy it was tough life was hard you got up early you worked all day and then you went to bed now some people may still be doing that but how many series have you binge watched on netflix in the last three years you know, COVID gave us an excuse, didn't it? To get unproductive. I mean, it also gave us an excuse to have a rest, but it's easy to be unproductive. We live in an age where it's easy to be distracted. There's always something else to do. Entertainment's right there for us. Now, don't mishear me. Look, we need to relax. We need to take time to relax. Good relaxation is productive, isn't it? Because what does it do? It means that you're unable to continue. You're then able to keep going. Of course, I'm not saying be stupid. But there's always that temptation, isn't there? Oh, that was good. I mean, it always ends on a cliffhanger, doesn't it? So you want to watch the next one, and you think, well, I mean, I could probably fit it in. And before you know it, what, a few hours have gone? I don't know. It's easy to be distracted, and it's easy then to become disconnected. And I think this is a test. This is really the test. When we think about what we do and we look at our lives before God, the things that we're involved in, the things that we're, we're doing, are they productive or are they unproductive? Because sometimes a box set can be productive. If you're absolutely worn out and you need rest, then it's productive. But you know when you're not and you should be doing something else. Is it productive or is it unproductive? Is it serving a bigger purpose or is it laziness so that's a challenge really be devoted to doing good don't be distracted be devoted to doing good don't be disconnected is it productive let's try and bring all this together shall we for us this morning first of all are you trusting God are you trusting God If you're not and you're interested in finding out more, then talk to me afterwards or talk to somebody that brought you. There's something we run here called Christianity Explored, which helps people just to show them what it is that we believe, why we believe it, why we think it's so important, and why we think you should believe it as well. We think God is worth trusting. Are you trusting him? Secondly, if you are trusting God, are you devoted to doing good or are you being distracted? If so, this is just a time to refocus this morning. You've got an opportunity just to rethink, to refocus. Or thirdly, have you been distracted for so long that you've become disconnected? If so, this is an opportunity to reconnect this morning. An opportunity to reconnect with God. He's there. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know his strength and power in our life, that Josh has brilliantly testified to this morning. We can reach out to him. As we think on these things, about this devotion,